Hi folks, my name is Eric Barnett and I'm a singer-songwriter based out of Charleston, South Carolina and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast coupled with a monthly original music showcase here in Charleston. On the podcast, I talk shop with songwriters I cross paths with in my musical travels. The first showcase is set to take place on Sunday, December 12th at Freehouse Brewery in North Charleston from 2 to 5 p.m. On the bill that day is Noah Grove, Mike Friend, and Ben Somewhere. Freehouse is an organic brewery, tap room, and outdoor beer garden situated on the banks of the historic and natural Ashley River. We brew beer as we wish it to be, organic, local, and seasonal. With over 24 taps, including gluten-free options and house-made organic lemonade, we have something for all palates. Freehouse is open to everyone and welcomes all guests with a smile and a cold beer. Inquire about hosting your event or special occasion with us at info at freehousebeer.com. Today's guest on the podcast is Noah Grove. Noah is a nomadic multi-instrumentalist, a recording engineer and producer, a kite surfer, and a husband. He's got a warm smile, a firm handshake, a busker's soul, and often a puffy jacket. Anytime you're near Noah listening to his music or even just watching him in a YouTube interview as research for a podcast you're doing, you're going to catch a love of music, an openness to his community, and a willingness to jam. I believe the term is good vibes. Noah has four albums out on all streaming platforms. I'll have links in the show notes. He also fronts a band called Noah and the Space Ark, hosts a weekly mic club open jam, and operates The Grove, a recording studio at his home. Catch Noah at our first Songs of the Unsung original music showcase on Sunday, December 12th at Freehouse in North Charleston from 2 to 5 p.m. Hey Noah, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Glad to have yeah. you on the podcast, man. Okay. Right on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming. This is my first time ever doing a podcast, so there's a lot I need to learn, but I appreciate you being the guinea pig on this. I appreciate the opportunity to be the guinea pig. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, I, I remember the first time I saw you playing around town, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but you came to uh, McCann's open mic night. I remember you coming out. I remember I remember the puffy jacket. We got to talk about the puffy <laughs> jacket that I talked about in the intro. It's kind of a, maybe it's an inside joke between Noah and I right now, but I remember that. I remember at the time, you came and did a James Taylor song. I can't okay. remember which one it was. I remember you did it very well. All right, thank you. And then I remember you did, it's kind of windy, the kite surfing song, because yeah. I remember the shh. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is different. I didn't like... Uh, Something happens at open mic nights that uh, musicians generally only care about how they did. And then when other people get up there, they sort of just talk to each other about how they did. Yeah. And so I missed your introduction for that. So I was like, well, this is, this is interesting. But <laughs> do you, do you remember that night at all by any chance? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I definitely remember going to McCann's. I went to McCann's a couple of times and I remember an occasion where I, where I met you there or 
I don't know that I necessarily, I don't know that we actually met there for mm-hmm. the first time or, what, or whatever, but um, I do remember that was one, one got to be one of the first times that we, that we were, that we crossed paths and that we, that we met. Um, but yeah, it's hard, it's hard to remember like all the details about it. Sure. <laughs> there's, oh yeah. There's so yeah. many nights of music, you know? Right. No, and, I got gotcha. you. Uh, but uh, yeah. How long have you been in Charleston? Uh, th- probably about three and a half years, maybe four years now. Four um, years? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Probably approaching four years. Yeah. So I, uh, I encourage anybody listening to this podcast to go on YouTube and check out Noah's Mufic interview with Joshua Jarman. They go over a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, his moves from Long Beach to Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm not going to rehash all the things that, you know, he talked about in that interview just because I'd like you to go see that as well. Uh, Josh did a great job interviewing him. Make sure you, I'm going to give you a, a couple couple things that will excite you about going and listening to that uh there's a there's a really good story about mexican federales uh he talks about doing a lot of busking and just walking into places and being like hey let me play here and he talks about i guess they call it van life these days but no it just rode around the van played music but makes it a lot more interesting than that so now that we now that we got that out of the way so let's we'll just we'll do it kind of quick uh, born in Long Beach, age seven, you moved to Brentwood, Tennessee. Now you spent most of your time there, didn't you? Yeah, I was actually I was born in uh, Glendale, but okay. it's it's uh, I mean, I kind of think of it all that area as as L.A. Sure, um, yeah, but uh, but it, it is it is different. But I ended up living in Long Beach when I went back to California as an adult. Um, but yeah, uh, most of from age seven to like. 21 okay. I was in Tennessee awesome. uh, Nashville and Knoxville yeah what'd you study in college psychology psychology got yeah. a degree I do <laughs> oh wow wow does that help uh, in, the, in the songwriting and in life uh I don't think so <laughs> no <laughs> I mean my my uh this this is a tangent sort of but I'll just say my opinion on education generally is that these days there's so much great educational content online yeah. that I really think unless you specifically track down a great teacher, which is, I mean, maybe you could say priceless, like a really good teacher, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they can help you skip so many learning curves or just move so much faster through them. Um, and they've got experience in their field, hopefully. But um, unless you're really dealing with somebody that's an experienced, good real professional teacher that cares about you then i think most of the education isn't that helpful and you can really learn at a much faster rate if you just hold yourself to a good standard and you there's just so much good material i think the main thing is organizing it all but yeah so really i think my college days weren't that productive (laughs) um but i did play a lot of i recorded music and uh yeah I, I, uh, so you were recording yeah. music already when you went into college. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you said you said that you uh, started snare drum at age six, and then eventually got piano lessons, classical piano lessons. Yeah. Uh, when did when did the guitar start? Uh, guitar started after uh, I quit piano because the teacher was. <laughs> He was a great teacher, a really good player, but yeah. he um, he wanted me to play so specifically, like he was just you know how you call it, like micromanaging my playing, or maybe you yeah. could say that way, where I, if I didn't hit the note exactly the way that he envisioned that it should be hit, yeah, it's like I was wrong. And it's like, at some point I just got so frustrated of working on the same song for just 
week after week after week, and I felt like I was playing it really well, but I, I didn't want to, I don't know. So I just got so frustrated, and I just I thought, maybe I suck or something, <laughs> and I quit. I did really well with piano. That's the, that was the shame of it all, is I actually progressed extremely fast through it. Um, I, I started taking from a college professor pretty young, but then I just got frustrated and quit, which I, I really do regret that, because I, I think, like, if I could have continued, even today when I play piano, which I haven't hardly played it at all, <laughs> I get told by audiences that they prefer my piano playing to my guitar playing. And, and at this point, I've played way, way, way more guitar than I've played piano. But Is that one of those um, things that it like comes as a compliment, but at the same time, you're just like, oh, what are you, tr- what are you trying to say? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, it <laughs> just makes me wish, you know, like, yeah. oh, man, yeah. I, you know, but um, I recently bought a piano, so hopefully I'll, I, I bought nice. a uh, keyboard, uh, weighted keys, you know. Oh, cool. And, Cool. So I'll put more time into that, but uh, now can you still yeah. can you still read music and everything on a piano? Can uh, you like I sight read and stuff. I was never good at sight reading, okay. um, yeah. but uh, I wish I was. But I just had to put time in, and then once it was all here, yeah, then that's that's what I probably have one of my greatest strengths is I've got a real good memory for music. Like if I oh, hear awesome. yeah. if I hear a melody, I don't forget it, and it's really hard for me to forget melodies. I just remember it's just really it comes really easy, and so I can put a large library of songs here. Um, and uh, and I can remember it for a long time. Even that piano, I put a Chopin piece at like age ten or something like that, and I've hardly played it over the years, and it's still there. And oh, so, nice! Yeah. Did uh did it help you from like a theory perspective, or was it something where you didn't generally know what theory was yet, but it kind of translated over to guitar? Or? I think like the main thing that playing piano probably did for me was it just brought out so much passion. Like oh, I just I just good. loved it. I I lose myself in playing the piano for you know, hours and hours and hours. And uh, so that, that's another reason why it was frustrating to stop. But yeah, the, what it, when I stopped, the passion for music was still there. And so my dad actually bought me like an old Emac or it was, I think maybe it was new at the time, but it was like the, you know, those, if you can remember them, they were like a white block. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was that, that, that was like after like the Bondi blue iMac. Yeah. 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 You remember like, First they were like all the crazy colors, but then I think they tried to like go to okay. white for yeah okay. yeah. Um, well, the, the thing looked like you know it might not run, kind of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but and then I and then he bought me I think it might have been one of the first generations no of the Scarlet uh, interfaces oh yeah, yeah. And, but it, or it might have been something else I can't remember and a, a a very cheap mic and so then I would just end up losing myself in my room, you know, for hours and hours. And that's when I started writing songs. Just doing overdubs and all that yeah. crazy stuff. Or started playing on the a little, you know, little keyboard to try to put down drums yeah. and put down <laughs> bass and stuff. Yeah. And I had like uh, one of those. I don't know. My dad gave me an old pedal that he had. It was like a distortion pedal, and I ran an acoustic gu- guitar through like one of those snapping pickups oh yeah yeah through yeah a distortion uh-huh. pedal and you know uh but uh that's why i learned guitar is because i wanted to write songs and i wanted to create full mixes and gotcha and then also once you start traveling and like, when i went to college uh i couldn't take a piano with me mm-hmm. and, and i hated keyboards because they're they, back then now they've got really good weighted ones you they know? sound pretty good they sound too. pretty good yeah. they feel good to play yeah um but but back then there was nothing and even for years it was like was, casio that was, i mean yeah yeah it it was bad <laughs> so uh yeah. did you have guitar instructors or did you kind of learn by ear or or was youtube a thing when you started to learn i don't really know how old you are yeah i'm 34 okay um youtube 
I th- YouTube was definitely around, but I don't know that uh, there was as much like educational content like right. there is now where you can find absolutely anything you want to yeah, learn. Yeah. Um, don't you envy this generation? Yeah. I mean, if they get the focus to do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's a whole, that's an interesting uh, <laughs> topic. Like you got to wonder what it's actually like growing up in an era where entertainment is just like on full blast at any moment at the snap of the finger. You it's got to be tough to focus. It's got to be insane. In that, yeah. So, I mean, on one yeah. hand, I do sound like a boomer saying, no, no, no. Oh, but... there's these youngins. They're so <laughs> lucky with their YouTubes. No, they are. They're all Oh, no, they're for all sure. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no offense. I mean, Nobody they're can gonna chef call me the car. Or a boomer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. So, now when you started out, you said your dad gave you a pedal. Was he a musician? Or is he just kind of finding you things? My parents uh, met as musicians uh, in a band. Okay. And it was called Equal Opportunity. I've kind of always wanted to uh, to to make a band with that name again. Yeah. I think it's a really good name. I've never heard of a band called Equal Opportunity. I think it's a great name. It is, man. Do you know the songs? Like, are there recordings of the songs? I don't think there's any recordings. Oh, dude, if you could record those one. songs, how cool would that be? I know. Yeah. I, I wish I could hear them, but I don't know that there's any recordings of them. What'd they play? Um, my dad played guitar. My mom was a pianist. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So that helps. I mean, you were hearing music in the house growing up. When you first started, you know, getting into it, what, who were your guys? Like what kind of, what musicians were yeah. doing it for you? Well, I would say my, this is one of the weird parts for me is that my parents barely played music when I was coming up. They really? didn't play. And so I oh, only, okay. they, didn't, they, they sort of like, I think it was a thing where um, they had to, when they got married and decided to have children, they decided to pursue other careers for financial reasons mm-hmm. and i think that it was a very hard thing for them like yeah. you know to give up on their dream or whatever and yeah. and so they just didn't play much at all and i think like because they were started doing other things then their ability level would decrease and they couldn't play to the level that they were accustomed to playing and yeah. so it was just a very difficult kind of thing a sore them. spot or a hard spot to you know yeah open up old wounds and such oh yeah. man but, yeah, well, but but what did you get into um, yeah, so I got into Muse. I oh, lo- yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I loved Muse, and I and I got big, probably my biggest influences, my biggest influences are John Mayer, Muse, um, maybe Nickel Creek, and DC Talk, I would say. DC Talk. Okay. If you know DC Talk. I, I, I remember them, yeah. And... So, uh... Maroon 5 as well. Early Maroon 5. Early Maroon 5. I didn't, so, dudes who could play yeah. pop... Yeah. There's some pop with you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. right on right Chris Tillay can shred on the mandolin he or, can yeah there's no other than that guy when you talk about a mandolin and DC Talk like I think DC Talk is a really interesting one because they're contemporary Christian and as I've gone back through a lot of contemporary Christian music from the 90s it's there's some really 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 good stuff and I don't think it got the the attention that it deserved they they've written some just incredible songs. And the production is fantastic. The performances are fantastic. I mean, they're on par or better than most of what you hear on radio, I think. And uh, it's just because it has a, a Christian or a religious bent, it doesn't get celebrated li- quite like it should. Um, anyway, that's awesome. an opinion. <laughs> right. And those, I mean, those being your initial influences, you still into all of them? It kind of sounds like you are. Yeah, I love yeah. them all. I don't, oh, awesome. I, didn't, I don't like Maroon 5 as much and... Uh, as they've gone as they've gone on but uh yeah all right i still like them all so when it comes to the recording i can tell i mean you've got a pretty sizable pedal board in here and 
we we kind of nerded out about equipment earlier and you like the loopers and the harmonizers and so are you kind of a kind of a gear nerd uh i've become that way i didn't start out that way <laughs> yeah yeah are you on like uh, the are you into the forums or do you watch like the youtube videos of the new stuff when it comes out or not much i okay. mostly just like I get ideas about what I want to be able to do, and then I just start looking for how can I do that. Gotcha. And, yeah. and then, so whatever that, wherever that takes me. Since we're talking about gear and we're talking about this pedal board over here, care to share a song with us? Sure. Ready to say goodbye Been ready for a while All my love slowly turned to hate And now I'd like to drift away Until then I can do whatever I want Nothing matters anymore Then you came and shattered the illusion And now all I've got is a question How can I say goodbye to you? How can I say goodbye to this world? How can I say goodbye when love is real? Blood stone. I couldn't feel I was getting cold, but you came and shattered my delusion, turning my heart into a question. How can I say goodbye? Say goodbye to this world How can I say goodbye When love is real Time's moving past me and now I know I can feel my time coming I don't have much time for questions time to give answers time to take action don't let blood turn to stone you'll think you're safe till it it's the bone when you came, it 
It ended my confusion Cause you let love Answer the questions And it's how I will say goodbye to you It is how I will say goodbye to this world It is how I will say goodbye Love is real And it's how I can say goodbye man that's awesome yeah i just shredded that out <laughs> <laughs> for those of you listening uh we recorded the songs beforehand and i'm <laughs> trying to drop them in during the interview and we're attempting to act like it's like really natural and he just sat there and played so i did notice that uh used a harmonizer pedal on the vocal just then yes and it was it worked really nicely is that uh it seems like that's a pretty important part of your live setup is having the loopers and having the... I absolutely love it. And to like any musicians listening out there, um, I highly, highly... So I've got an RC1, just a basic looper, you know, a one switch looper. And if you're playing as a solo acoustic, like one of the biggest problems um, is keeping it interesting. <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't matter, I think, on some level how good your voice sounds or how good you are vocally. I mean, it, anything better, it, like everything, uh, to, to use a, a Joe Cook uh, <laughs> song title, everything is better than what's worse. <laughs> oh, everything is better than what's worse. Yeah. But um, on some level, it doesn't really matter how good you get at vocals or how like good your guitar tone is or whatever. When you play for three hours and people are hearing the same exact frequencies for three hours, it's like it just gets grading is or it's just hard to focus on the same frequencies for, <laughs> for three hours so you got to find ways to break it up and also it's just it's difficult to put out a kind of energy um for bar gigs or weddings or any any environment where you're supposed to be very high energy and being the life of the party or just at least caring sort of being there on that level it's very hard to do that with just an acoustic guitar and a voice for three hours and so anything that you can use to make that easier on yourself is great. And I think a looper is a, is a very easy way to do that because you can throw down a simple loop on your guitar and play very simple leads. It doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to be great. Um, and it just changes it up. It takes gives people a break from your voice, but keeps the music interesting. It can be gentle. It can be, you can go crazy if you, if you want. And then the looper, or then the uh, harmonizer just adds a little more depth or a little, it, it just, it can make the whole sound just so much bigger. And so when you really start cranking and it just lets you reach an apex in the music that you cannot do without it, or unless you had backup singers. It's not as good as a good backup singer, <laughs> but it is but it is good. They, and they've gotten really good. And so I use the Boss VE2. Uh, I think many loopers out there don't sound that real. I've heard them in live settings. Uh, but if you use this one well, it really sounds good. So... I'm not going to counter, because this isn't an argument. Mm -hmm. I'm not arguing with you. Mm. 
there's two things I would say about loopers and harmonizers. Number one, in big, bold letters, is if done well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you do it well. Thank you. So I do absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Myself as a player. Yeah. I'm not the same style as you. It's two guys up there with a beard and a guitar. I mean, but... <laughs> But yeah, my my whole thing is trying not to trying to make a guitar sound as close to the guitar, the vocal sound yeah. as close to the vocal. Yeah. And, you know, I get boring after about an hour and a half. I'll give you that much. <laughs> yeah. I throw in a well, I throw in a different tuning, I throw in a different guitar, I try to change up the the kinds of songs I'm playing. But man, it's just one of those things where to each his own and if you yeah. figure out a spot for yourself, that's I mean, that's the key, man. When you initially started getting out there and gigging, what was your focus? Were you thinking about more original? Were you thinking about more covers? Were you thinking, I just want to play? Um, when I got out gigging, at the very beginning, it was just, I wanted to play music, and I didn't know what really what I wanted to do. I, I was probably really like, at the time, I don't know, a mix of like, like, ready for whatever adventure life had or i just didn't i just wanted to explore and discover something in a mix of depression of like life not being what i wanted it to be and um just not feeling like i don't know you know how to put it exactly like that but i just went out to open mics in la and then i just i was living in my car in la and i just uh i was like i need to make some money to eat. right yeah um and so i just went out and just started walking to all the places and, and that's kind of how i got started when i got started here um it's more i'm married now and i need to like you know kids are on the horizon i need to know how to make pay the bills like i gotta pay the bills at all co at, at whatever cost i gotta pay the bills and, that, and part of that's informed like in the song that i played or I'm gonna play. <laughs> yeah, it's called the space arc. <laughs> right, going to right. Yeah, <laughs> the, the uh, in that song I talk about how I've got to chase money even if you cry, and 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 the line preceding that is because folks in the street they'll let you die, and that's something I came to know pretty close up and personal um, because I lived in in my car and I lived in a garage uh, that was donated to me, and eventually at one point I stayed literally with a, a, a homeless man who is maybe in his late 40s, but looked like he's in his 60s. Mm -hmm. And um, he was an unbelievable guitar player. I mean, just his precision and his timing was impeccable and his tone was good. He had a little bit of a weird taste in tone, but <laughs> um, but he was just, you know, he, he was great. He was great. Mm -hmm. And um, and there he is in the street. And it's like, how, do you, how are you that good? And then you're, homeless i got gotcha. you and he's got problems or whatever but the point is people he was just gonna die he's just gonna die in the street you know that's just the way it is and um that's so so that's something i came face to face with and i know like if you don't make it happen for yourself nobody else is gonna make it happen for you so um yeah that's just kind of the way i look at looked at it and i just did whatever i could to try to make money and i gotcha yeah, yeah basically that so I played those bar gigs. I hated playing the bar gigs. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, they expect so much out of you and they don't pay very well. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I actually, I was speaking to uh, Tim Falvey and he's mm -hmm. actually going to do this podcast eventually. And cool. 
when I was I was talking to him on the phone and he said, man, I'd love to sit and do a roundtable sometime where we talk about That's how cool. poorly we're getting paid. And I was like, you know, like the podcast, let's do a podcast one on one. But I would like to talk to people and eventually maybe do a roundtable where we talk about just some local issues. Yeah. I don't know. I hope it doesn't get us blackballed as musicians around here. But yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I'm from Ohio and generally there there's two and, and the same thing goes here there's really two types of gigs you can play you can play a three-hour gig where you're playing mostly covers and if you want to make money mostly covers people want to hear i have a job so i don't have to do mm. that i can just piss people off and play tom waits <laughs> but <laughs> but or the second kind of gig is you can play original music as part of a band lineup where maybe you're playing for 45 minutes to an hour yeah, and you really don't get paid much for that. Yeah. But I do notice by and large for both versions of that, I got paid a little more elsewhere. And I don't know if Charleston like is in Charleston. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will say like, I'm a I'm a country boy, so moving here, there are more opportunities to play, but there are also way more people looking to t- take those opportunities. <laughs> and there is something to be said about, you know, there are folks willing to play pay for play, yeah, play for, for less, less. Yeah. and it's often it's guys like me who have day jobs and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it is a responsibility on my part to make sure I'm not just yeah, you know, trying to have it both ways. I think that whole that whole like um, area is a really. I think there's a lot of um, not great ideas that kind of get talked about. Um, <laughs> it's like well, it's um, it's really complicated, right? Because it's like the restaurants they all have bills to pay, right? Yeah, and that's the hard thing. That's, that's the h- really hard thing to understand is, um, you know, which restaurants really can afford to pay more because you don't get to look at their budget. Line, sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah. which restaurants can afford, which ones, some, some may be stingy, some may be not so much, but I right. think in general, the restaurant business, I think is just hard. I really think it is. Oh, right. It, it is, right? And, and I know like yeah. what they are paying for their rent or their, it's insane. Right. It's a, it's that's who's making the money. It's yeah, the yeah. people who's renting the yeah. stuff out. And yeah. that's, and you know, I know when I'm, when I'm standing there in a bar and I'm playing and, the room's kind of empty. Yeah. I know I'm getting away with whatever yeah. I'm making. Yeah. They're losing some nights. You That's know what, what I'm I saying? Too, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. it is, and it is upon me as a musician to try to put a couple butts in yeah. the seats uh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. It is up to the venue to, yes. to make an environment that makes people want to go, yes. whether it is, you know, you are the place that has the food or whether you are the place that, you know the musicians they they have are going to entertain you and yeah. it's i don't think there's a magic bullet for that yeah. you know a lot of people do yeah uh i don't know any answers it's a cl- yeah it's a collaboration and um the venues like some venues you know they they they've already got the the audience built like they've they've already established oh, sure. their reputation yeah. and then it's like you know people say like you don't play for exposure but at the same time like there's value in that like I don't I don't know that I want to go play anywhere exactly for free, totally for free. I mean, I will sometimes, but most of the time not. But like I don't know, for example, like I got an opportunity to play at Saltwater Cowboys. Uh-huh. Saltwater Cowboys has a built-in audience and for there's sure. 
there's a major value in getting to play for a like a mainstream audience right you know like legit mainstream audience because a lot of the places you play they don't have the legit mainstream audience right so there's it's irreplaceable to get that chance to play for those people and see how can you learn how to connect with them and what what is it about what you do that connects with them and what doesn't and you know you need to bomb you got to go bomb <laughs> oh gotta, for sure right? for sure the same thing like with, with comedians or whatever it's a little yeah. easier to bomb as a musician but well, um, i can tell you like yeah. from personal experience yeah there's gigs that i will accept a little less money for mm. and that's a gig like you know there are certain street fairs and farmers markets that you just know there's going to be 500 people standing in front of you that day yeah and if you're delivering the goods yeah they're going to deliver the ones and fives and yeah. the occasional 10. And that's something where, you know, I'll try just about anything once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and then I'll decide, the was that way. worth my time? You know, yep. I played a lot of gigs. The first year I tried gigging here, I took whatever I could get just because I was like, I got to get my foot in the door. Yep. And then there came a point where I started realizing like, man, I just don't enjoy that one. Yeah. And, and. Yeah. And there's like a, I can draw, I can draw an absolute chart of it, of I can enjoy something less if I'm making more money. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I, it, once again, there's not a magic bullet to the situation, yeah. but this would be something interesting to discuss, you know, with it, with a group of four or five of us. Yeah. Let's get back to, uh, let's get back to you, man. Kite surfing, man. Okay. For people who don't know what kite surfing is give me the back of the dvd blurb on what is kite surfing okay i think kite surfing is one of the coolest sports in the world um i think uh so i'm a big basketball player i love love basketball and i still play basketball like sort of religiously even though i broke my foot so at the end of the day i still like really like basketball but that said i don't know that there's a cooler sport than kite surfing because um it can be as relaxing or as intense as you want it to be. And essentially what you do is you attach a giant kite to yourself, to your to your waist, through a harness. And the kite itself will have about 12 feet of square, uh, or 12 meters square area. It's a big kite. Um, they range from anywhere from like 7 meters of square area to even up to like 19 or even a little more. And there's also different kinds of boards and different kinds of kites that you can use. But simply, it's just... You're basically wakeboarding, but instead of a boat, you have a kite. And if you can imagine, boats can't fly, but kites can. So, <laughs> if you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> so you can literally launch uh, on a really good windy day. Uh, you make good decisions about the conditions. That's really the main thing is you got to understand the conditions. But if you make good decisions about the conditions, you can launch 40 or 50 feet into the air. And you can land soft. Um, it's, it's technical when you're going that high, but even, you can even go like 10 or 20 feet and it's not that hard. Um, when you put, put a, maybe a good month of regular effort into it and you'll be able to start jumping. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's, there's, there's also many different stages of development where it's like a new physical sensation every time. And it's just a thrill and you can launch over land and you can go anywhere you want. And that's one of the coolest things. No gas cost. You got to buy the gear, wait for a windy day, and go out. You launch. It's just, um, I think, especially for I mean, I would say especially for a young person, just feeling. I remember like 
being able to just cruise and ride and feel the wind blowing through your hair and your hands and you drag your hand through the water. It's just like you feel there's not much much of a closer feeling to being in heaven. Basketball is awesome because it's social, you know, and it's so competitive and fun in that yeah. way. But kite surfing is just like meditative and just some kind of physical bliss. It's just amazing. What age did you start doing that at? Uh, I think probably 21 or something like that. So you were in Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was in Tennessee, but there's not really any kiting in Tennessee, right? Um, but uh, my mom, my sister, had been in Ecuador, and she started learning kiting, and then she told my my family about it. My mom was just like, "We're going to do this as a family sport," and so <laughs> she put money into it, and we just all did it. That's awesome. And, um, do you still? Uh, I know you were went to the Outer Banks for a while, and you were yeah. doing some instruction there, and then. Yeah. California and Turks and Caicos and yeah. all kinds of places, man. Do you still do kite surfing instruction? I do. Um, this year was a terrible year for it. <laughs> <laughs> and really the last couple of years because they closed sure. the beaches for COVID. And then the uh, this year was just not a very windy year. But Charleston itself is an amazing place for kiting. Um, there's If you go to north of Folly Beach where Morris Island is, you've got the lighthouse there. And at low tide, there's a sandbar that comes out. You get flat, shallow water, which is exactly what you want. You want flat, shallow water for learning conditions, and it's great for riding conditions. And I should also say, this sport is also, it's a fantastic sport for anybody to get into. If you're a woman or a man or whatever you are, um, if you have upper body strength or not, it doesn't really matter. People look at kite surfing, they think you need upper body strength. You don't because it's essentially like a steering wheel of a car with power steering. The power comes through your core, so it's a good ab workout, and it's a leg workout. It's not an upper body workout. And you can do it late into your years because you can make the riding very... Uh, um, it, when you really get the, the style down, it, you can really hang back, and it's, all, it's like you're laying in a hammock almost a little bit. You know, It's, it's not that relaxing, but it, um, you can do it late into your years. I saw a 77-year-old man doing jumps on kite surfing. That's so, awesome. Yeah, anyway. Awesome, man. And, and yep. can people get a hold of you and have you be their instructor? Is there a place, good place to do that? Yeah, go to Session Sports. Uh, I teach through Session Sports with Adam Super. He runs the company. Um, he used to teach at Kitty Hawk Kites in Outer Banks. And that's where I taught for a while. He's an incredible rider. Uh, so it's just fun even just to watch him ride. A cool guy in Session Sports is a great company to, to uh, get some lessons from. Awesome, man. And I'm going to make sure I put a link to all that in the show notes. Okay. All right. So let's go to your music, man. Let's go to, uh, like I said in the intro, Noah has four albums right now on streaming services. I uh, I gave them a pretty extensive listen. So the first record, Big Picture. Yep. Acoustic solo, and you recorded it yourself? I did. Um. I actually paid like $2,000. This is when I was living in my car. Uh-huh. And so I only had like 4000 I paid 2000 to record with an engineer out there. And uh, <laughs> I should tell, I'm going to tell this story. But um, I sort of like stopped like talking crap about people at some point. I just thought, you know, you just don't, I don't know. It's all, it's all sort of water under the bridge kind of thing. But sure. I'm not going to name names. But I will say I hired somebody to work on the record and I went and recorded. And we decided to just go completely straight do yeah. from top to uh, from top to bottom and i put uh everything into it on day 2 we got the we got the mix sounding pretty good kind of tried some stuff out on day 1 day 2 i went all out 
you know, put everything into it. So really burning my voice out. And then on like the song number 11 or 12 or something, uh, his computer like froze oh. and we lost everything. Oh no. And then he made no effort to like reimburse me what? or anything. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, anyway, so that was a huge loss. Yeah. And then the final product just lo- was like, after that, it's like the vibe as he, he sure like, <laughs> yeah didn't, you weren't quite feeling it after that that's what you're the telling vibe me? sucked yeah. bro <laughs> oh this Sorry. this is probably not a great time to tell you i forgot to record we're gonna have to start from the beginning on this, <laughs> Noah. No, I'm, I'm joking i'm joking i'm joking yeah, yeah. so yeah so yeah so i mean yeah at least from, yeah. from from my standpoint too like I one I didn't graduate college, but I actually went for music recording for a little bit of it because what I it's what I was interested in. Yeah, and I man, I am such a control freak about my own stuff. Yeah. Number one, number two, man, if you are on the clock recording in a studio, you better deliver that day. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. if you don't do your best work. Yeah, that's it. That's what's yeah, yeah. on tape, you know, or on the hard drive that gets erased or what exactly. have you. Exactly. And you know, from a standpoint where I can spend two thousand dollars and record in a studio and and get what I get, or I can at this point, man, spend two thousand dollars on a pretty good interface and pretty good microphones. Yes. <laughs> and the, the great part about recording is it's scalable. You know, yes. I have people say like. You know, why don't you go into a real studio anymore? There's no such thing as a real studio. Yeah. You know, once you get to a certain level yeah. of an interface and a microphone, man, the difference between a Scarlet preamp and yeah. a, a $3,000 tube transistor, yeah. what have you, all the buzzwords, yeah. man, it's not that much. Yeah. It's, it's who, it's the song, number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. It's the person doing the recording and mixing it it's their ear yes 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 and man if a record label puts money behind you they're going to decide whether that's a big hit or not yeah not so much anymore yeah yeah. but it's so democratized putting out your own music the so that the record big picture you ended up recording that yeah you scrapped all the stuff with that guy said i'm gonna do this myself yes yeah. Oh man, it's, you know it sounds great. Like oh, I tried to I did some research for yeah. this podcast and a lot of that said I said I want to listen to all the music first. I don't want to read about you know what he's saying his influences are. I want to see what I get from it. Yeah. And I definitely got Jack Johnson, Bob Marley. Yeah. Like even just yeah, yeah. hearing you play, I got sort of the Yeah. There's an island. There's a yeah, yeah. it's so laid back. It's yeah, open, yeah. it's friendly. It's a it's a vibe. I mean yeah, yeah. I got it like your your guitar playing. I call it jazzy because yeah, I'm thinking I'm okay. thinking of your I'm thinking of your yeah. chords. I'm thinking of your melodies. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, listen like yeah. the way that yeah. the the melodies chase the chord around. I'm into that. Okay. Cool. Like my the song I liked was a million miles of walking. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. from okay. from a guy yeah, yeah. who I'm like a lyrics dude. Yeah, so yeah. so man, I just liked it. Okay. Right I liked on, it. Thank you, man. I liked appreciate it. it. Thank you for listening to it. I really oh, appreciate yeah. it. Oh yeah. Second record, Beautiful yeah. Frankenstein, 2017. A marked increase in production. You got a little bit more gear at the time, I'm, I'm assuming? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, I mean, yes, I did. Um, I think yeah. um, actually probably, so when I recorded Big Picture, literally all I had, this is when I, I had been living in the car and mm-hmm. then a, a, a couple in 
Long Beach gave me their detached garage, which was basically like an old carriage house with leaky, like a, with flood and stuff. But I, I had a laptop, a MacBook Pro, and I had a Scarlet interface. And um, I think that's probably about it. What mic were you in? I think it was during that time, that was the first time I invested in like an actually good mic kind of middle of the road. I got an AKG C214. Okay, nice. Uh, good good mic. You can make all kinds of things happen I, with that microphone. Yep. I don't know that I even had that at the time, though. But sure. I, I know I got it. I, I think I probably recorded Big Picture with that. I'm trying to remember. But um, by the time I did Beautiful Frankenstein, the reason that the production on that is probably better, or it's just bigger, um, is... I actually recorded that in the Outer Banks, uh-huh. and I recorded that on a bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I had I had traveled to the Outer Banks, and I set all my music gear up on a bunk bed. Okay, so there's a lot of blankets, a lot of like, oh yeah, curtains, so kind of cushions the sound. That whole thing, most almost all of it was recorded in in a in a bunk bed in a, when I was in the Outer Banks for a month. Uh, Are you playing every instrument? I on did that? play everything. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. I felt, I felt, yeah, I was happy with how that came out. Yeah, it sounds great, man. Uh, yeah, I have. You know, one thing that I do love that everything's digital. I'm not going to be one of these Luddites that say like, oh, you know, vinyl sounds so much better. You know what yeah. vinyl does better? It gives you a real big album cover to look at, which I okay. love. Yeah. And dude, yeah. I liner notes, man. I yeah. miss liner notes because okay. when I was a kid and I was looking yeah. at stuff, I want to see who played on it, who recorded it. Yeah. And, and when I'm listening to your stuff, I was like, man, I wonder if this is you know him or somebody else or what the yeah yeah that's a good so point. yeah man it does sound good sounds good Thanks. let me let yeah. me ask you a question and, and yeah. we can delete this if if i'm if yeah i can cut this out of the podcast <laughs> okay electronic drums uh yes all, yep. Ele- yep. all electronic drums yeah because because yeah. here's the thing if you guys yeah. out there don't record music you can act like you're a real big purist and say oh that's electronic drums yeah good electronic drums sound better than poorly mic'd drums for as much of a purist as you're trying to be. <laughs> yeah. I 100% agree. For oh, a, yeah. For a while, I was on the other side of that, of, of just saying, like, I always wanted everything really natural. And I've heard people say they never want, like, elect- electronic drums or whatever, but and, and you know, it's a natural I'm, sound. I'm one of those people. Yeah. And the drums on my album sound terrible. <laughs> and, and i'm trying i'm trying yeah. to figure out how to not do that basically yeah. well the thing is I mean, the electronic drums they're real audio they're audio of real drums yeah yeah so it's not like they're but it, the only thing is it's like playing an electric piano is that when you play a real drum you have literally an infinite number of noises that you can make because that's the world we live in yes which is what's amazing about this world right that's yeah. what's just it's, it's just it doesn't make any logical sense and it's just the way it is yeah which is insane it's so cool but the, uh, and so when you're playing electric piano, they have a limited number of different sounds you can make. Maybe you have a, uh, uh, maybe you have two thousand different volume levels that they've recorded. I don't know what it is, but there's a maximum, and there's a minimum, and then there's everything in between, and you only can play with that. So you don't have an infinite, and that just restricts what you're able to communicate. Instead, instead of a gradient, it's a yeah. selection of crayons. Yes, and, and, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I mean, I'm listening to it, and this is, I mean, we're geeking out recording yeah. wise. I'm listening to it, and I say. That bass, that bass drum sounds great. It sounds good. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, if only my cymbals would decay like that. <laughs> and I'm like, if only my real cymbals yeah, yeah. would decay like that. So yeah, it's yeah. not like I'm trying to call you to the carpet or anything. I'm just saying, man, it sounded good. Yeah. 
So definitely, oh. we're expanding your recording capabilities. I should say the one of the main reasons that uh, that my production level was better in that bunk bed was because when I was in that when I was in Long Beach recording in that in that detached garage, uh, a songwriter named Nathan Douglas hired me to work on about two hundred of his songs. Wow! And we worked on productions of all different kinds. So I did reggae, I did rock, I did punk, I did folk i did i mean just uh anything you can imagine every like even just niche niche kind of niche kind of genres or whatever uh we did them and so that working on that many different songs with uh probably about a hundred different local artists that we that he would hire to come in in the studio and perform that gave me you know a ton of experience actually working with lots of different voices and different styles and so then that's a, a major reason, and I think experience is so much a part of what you're able to do with your mix. This gear is important, but yeah, like, oh yeah, you, you got it. Yeah, yeah. So what you're what you're telling me is to get better at no. something, you got to do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll think about yeah. that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but I, I I will say, man, that record, even stylistically, you started growing song to song, genre wise. The Man, the one I loved on that, and it was for the way it sounded. I'm big into Red Red Room. Just okay. what you had going on with that ambiently, background vocals, everything. Okay. That was my jam. Right on. So check yeah. out Beautiful Frankenstein. Let's move on. Please tell me how to pronounce your wife's name. Lee Schwang. 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 Lee Schwang. Yeah. So I, I looked it up, and I even, like, there were YouTube things that pronounce it yeah and there's three different ways okay. <laughs> so the next record noah grove by lee schwong yeah interesting title tell me a little about that title so the title is very confusing like uh it doesn't make sense to like anybody but um <laughs> it's okay it's uh basically i felt like it's the new me or, or it's me being written now by lee schwong that uh she's kind of my guiding my guiding star and she helps me have a new direction in life. And so this is me when I'm with her, essentially. And so that's what the music is. I totally yeah. get that, man. Yeah. You are yeah. the you are the realized version of yourself on account of her. What she's added. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh right off the bat. Yeah. We're even getting more experimental. Like yeah. even before yeah. I even before I started playing, I noticed and and putting stuff in in iTunes when you put it in and, or Apple Music and Spotify and it asks for a genre. Yeah. And it's such a yeah, it's yeah. such a terrible thing to do, but <laughs> I noticed before it was like singer-songwriter, singer-songwriter and then I see pop and I was like, "Interesting." Yeah. Interesting. Okay. First track kicks in. Yeah. Electronic drums. I mean, we're we're yeah. doing electronica now. Yeah. Like and the whole record, it doesn't stay there. Right. I'm like, is this yeah, what yeah. you're doing? Is this uh, the thing you're doing? Yeah. But <laughs> My notes on this, like, yeah. I have electronic, I have jazz, I have Steely Dan with a question mark. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, on a Too Good to Be True, I, yes. I caught a little Steely Dan vibe, even okay. though the title is very Prince with the yeah. two and yeah. yeah. But man, uh, once again, you playing everything? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, except for on, uh, there's a song called I Love You, and I hired... I did almost everything on that, but f there's a, a a significant portion of the song that I hired a drummer out of uh, Nashville to okay to record. Yeah, I have it. I actually have on that that the arrangement on that one I am big on. 
on uh, Too that, Good to Be True. No, on I Love You. On oh, I Love You. Okay, yeah. The, yeah. That bass and guitar oh, doing man. locking dude, in on that stuff. I've been trying to get my band to learn that That's song. That's where it's at, dude. It's a dope song. It and is. The, the, the you know here's one thing is uh, I don't know about you, but for me as a songwriter, one of the coolest things for me, I always feel like I've accomplished something when I've been able to do something that I feel like I've never heard before, but it's very simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, like yeah. always what I'm looking for. It's like something very simple that I never heard before. And I feel like I did that on that song. It's simple, but the chord progression just moves in kind of a unique way. Yeah. But it doesn't feel complicated. It's got a it's got a groove. Yeah, it's I mean, groove. it's a and, and one thing I imagine you're this way, I imagine every musician this way yeah. this way. I am my own biggest critic. Yeah. But th- on the occasion where I do something and I go back and I listen to it as if I wasn't me, as if I didn't have all the baggage of having done it, and I can listen to it and go, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. imagine you had to feel that way on that groove when you- Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one, man. Uh, I got I to say, I gotta say, like, sometimes, maybe you experience this too, like, recording music, like, sometimes I get like, um, all right, for too, too Good to Be True- I, that's one of my favorite songs I ever wrote. I, just, I really love that song, yeah. and nobody else feels that way. But like, <laughs> that I, I mean, people that seem like they kind of like it, but for me, that's one of my favorite ones I ever wrote. I just think it's not quite where I wanted to be, but the groove is just—I just feel like I did something that I didn't know I was really able to do. And, it, and it's like here, here's another example of how taking something really simple—it sits on an A major seventh, uh-huh. and instead of going sort of two frames. It goes an extra third, which wouldn't really normally make any sense, and it, and it kind of it just doesn't really make sense. But for whatever reason, it just totally flows and it works. Oh yeah, and um, but like when I'm recording and I'm listening to it, like you're saying, like you know, you listen to back to it, and you're like, yeah, that works. Um, like sometimes I feel like I'm like a shaman, like a <laughs> like some kind of like I, I get I'm in my studio by myself, you know, and I'm making this music, and it's just uh. I just get so into it, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> it's just, you, you start feeling it, you start moving around and it's like, you know, we're put, and then you put this out to the world and it's like, you're conjuring up these like, you know, musical or these sound sonic uh, yeah. concoctions that then are going to be, po- have powerful effects on people. You know, it's like you're stirring your witch's brew pot, man. And uh, that's just what I feel sometimes like, man, if my wife walked in here right now. <laughs> See, and that, that's the other bonus to recording your own music because you can shut yourself in a room and do all the yes. things that you need to do yeah. to get yourself in the correct headspace yeah, yeah, yeah. to play or mix or record yeah. what you need to record. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. man. Yeah. everybody should record their own music man yeah. like the people who do it well do it well and i absolutely yeah. bow down i have yeah. i have engineers that are like my people i'll yeah. listen to what an engineer i have producers that are my people yeah. you know but at the same time everybody should try to record their own music okay oh, yeah. let me ask yeah. you this question this is another thing on good times ahead mm. you were doing the jazzy thing on the drums the brushes you had the one okay as a as a terrible drummer myself me too <laughs> oh boy that thing yeah. with the brushes where you keep the one circling around the drum yeah <laughs> was that a, was that a separate track it's a it's actually it was just a loop it's just a, <laughs> yeah i know that, that probably spoils it for everybody but it's uh 
that that just goes to show like i just found a good loop for it and it and it's just a, it is a good loop it worked man and you have a right to, to use loops and well, see, i'm yeah. listening and and i like not having the liner notes but i yeah. thought i saw a drum set like in the yeah. pictures of your place and i thought yeah know, i bet he's recording all that stuff yeah and i'm like and i'm listening as another guitar player who wishes he was a drummer yeah and i'm going oh can do that brush thing oh man yeah, it'd be nice yeah i've tried to mess isn't with that such a, a cool bit. thing like yeah. like real dr- and i call real yeah. drum real drummers man no that's the tough. ones that that's do tough. the real subtle stuff yes it's tough oh it's that's tough. the sauce right there yeah yeah okay acoustic memories yeah now you had told josh charman yeah i think i'm gonna delete that one yeah now how do you feel like this is a couple months later yeah. How do you feel about that? I think I'm actually going to delete all of them. <laughs> I'm going to delete all of them. I'm going to delete every single album because <laughs> Look, like, yeah. I don't I'll keep them for myself, but I just think like I understand so much more about music and I I kind of want to like I feel like I have a much better head for producing what I really want to produce, you know. And I I only yeah. made one record, man. It's just 10 songs. It's yeah. 10 songs that are out there. I recorded them like in a basement over yeah. the course of a month and people like I ran a Kickstarter campaign, got it professionally mastered, but I did yeah. all the mixing and everything myself Yeah, and I can't listen to it, man. I yeah. made it back in 2017 Yeah, and there's times where I'll hear like a snippet here and there and I'll go, okay, that wasn't terrible. Yeah. But at the same time I was like, man, I want to do that again. But at what point is our, is it our responsibility to step back and just let something be yeah you know what i'm saying yeah not yet <laughs> well i think i feel like um i don't know you know who, who who really knows but like if you're trying to make it as a professional musician i feel like the stuff needs to be at a certain standard you know what i mean yeah. oh i agree and i just feel like what i've done so far it's just not it's just i i i think it's really good in a lot of ways i think the, the songwriting in particular is really some of my strongest points there's some really good songs um i think there are really good performances on a lot of, the, of what i've recorded uh i think i do some really good lead work on uh beautiful frankenstein i feel like uh i'll tell you what though yeah. a couple of those songs that yeah. lead work remix that man it's a yeah. little bit buried and i'm trying okay, to think yeah. of which one in particular there's one i was like there better be a good lead coming up because it's calling for one <laughs> and then it came up and it was a little bit it's back there yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's, that's the learning process. And that's yeah. that entire album I did. Like I fantasize about like, is there a way that I can just redo it? Yeah. yeah. And like iTunes will let me replace it and I can track down everybody that bought the CD yeah. and just give them the new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's something I think about too, man. That's, that's part of the problem too, is like going back and that's, I had that issue actually recording beautiful Frankenstein is that there were songs. There were a couple of them that were a lot older songs and to get in the same headspace to do them and really do them the way they need to be done. It's just, it's like your voice has changed yeah. and it's, it's just not, it's, there's a certain note on, on one song that I just, no matter how hard I tried to sing it, I just felt like I couldn't do it. Like I used to be able to do it. I gotcha. But, yeah, yeah. So when it, when it comes to, I'm glad we were talking about, you're happy about your songs. Cause that. That makes me happy, man. Yeah. Let's talk about songwriting. Yeah. I don't want to do the thing that everybody asks where they say what comes first, yes. the music or the, the lyrics. When you, number one, do you sit down to try to write a song? 
Um, not very often, but sometimes. Okay. I, I think it's probably a very good thing to do that um, because you never, if you don't do it, like I don't think that it's right to only write when you get inspiration because sometimes you get inspiration because you sat down. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, most of the time I wait for inspiration. I wait for because it's just so much easier to write. You know. Yeah. It's it's not fun to like sit there and be like looking at the paper or whatever you know it's, yeah it's, it's not fun <laughs> and, and i mean you start to question your motivation you're like is this song yeah. happening because i need a song yeah and i don't want to do that but it it's like i i was watching it i was actually watching an eagles documentary and glenn fry said he lived like next door to jackson brown and he said every day jackson brown would just sit down at the piano like yeah. he was clocking into work yeah and write a song. Yeah. And I mean, the argument stands that it worked uh, for him. Yeah. <laughs> when inspiration strikes, do you reach for the guitar first? Uh, it, it's kind of a mix. Um, but yeah, I would say um, I think that method makes a whole lot of sense. That um, I think if you're willing to do that and sit down and write, it, you become better and better and you learn techniques. Sure. And, um, and then you also give yourself the most opportunities to find inspiration when you might, you might, you know, just by doing it, you find, you discover your inspiration and then you write something great. I mean, I think there are a lot of great songs that come out of that. There are a ton of songwriters that talk about that's how they do. That's how they do it. Um, but I think it's not really necessary. And if you just wait and pay attention to when there's something in your heart to write or when you're feeling something and you feel compelled to write um, or just notice when you're feeling something strongly and then then sit down and write because then um, you know you're feeling something, you know you have something to express and then you just go and, and do what you need to do to start the work uh, of getting it and converting that feeling into words and music. Um, but yeah, usually, um, sometimes it's just a melody or it's words in my head. The main thing is if I can get like a little bit of something down that I'm really happy with that I feel like just nails it. If I get a little bit of something, whether it's a vocal melody with a paired with a couple words, then I'll just keep hitting that over and over <laughs> again like it's a ramp or something and and see where it leads. If it can if I can take it to something else that makes me feel like that's right on. And uh but it, yeah, that's what I try to do is just get one little bit of something at least. Sometimes yeah. it comes out really easy, you know, like like a lot of people talk about it comes out really easy, sometimes it's a little harder, but now, yeah. do you demo stuff? Like, what do you mean? Like, if you're if you're doing stuff and you're like, man, I hope I don't forget this. Do you like record it on your phone or anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, now, yeah. sometimes I this is what I've noticed as you know a multi multi instrumentalist that produces his own stuff. Do you hear all the other instruments? Um, actually. Uh, this is something that, uh, I really wondered, um, like, like literally right now I can compose like a symphony in my head. I don't know. That's always just been the way I, I, I am. I can literally just make up music and, and have it yeah. extremely detailed in my head, but it is really hard to trace each individual, individual instrument. I can hear them all, but it's hard for me to trace. You can each hear what in. they're doing like as a group. And I yeah. certainly can't take it down, you know, like, sure. Sure, and, and it's kind of is there, and then it's just gone, you know. But um, usually, the the way that I write uh, different instrumentation is, I'll get the, the the structure of the song down, where I have a, a kind of a melody or a chord progression, and then I'll just start finding what works with other instruments. So, 
if I've got a good guitar chord progression with a vocal melody and lyrics and arrangement kind of down in terms of just a solo acoustic arrangement, then I'll start working out, you know, how, what can I do on a bass that really goes with this and what can I, I do on yeah, that kind of thing. So it's sort of like a looper's mentality. You get the so, loop yeah. of the song going yeah. on in your head and you're like, what yeah. can I add to this? Man, when I write, it's and it's a curse. This is yeah. why it's a curse. Okay. Because I will write something and hear the fully realized song in my head. Okay. It's a curse for That's two cool. reasons. Yeah. Number one, it's a dragon I'm trying to chase and never yeah. quite catch up with. Yeah, it's hard. Number two, it makes collaboration nearly impossible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You seem like, and, and you strike me as a guy who is always open for a jam. I I am these days. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. I tried, man. When yeah. I was making that record, I actually invited friends over because I wanted all my friends to be on my record. Yeah. And I'd I'd start, and they'd come over and start doing a thing. Yeah. And I would feel like <laughs> such a jerk just no, because no, no. I'm like, that's I'd a nice either, idea in theory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd either be like, do exactly this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I'd be like. It's not working. No, it's because you got a certain idea. You got a certain message you want to express, and when uh, it's a nice idea to have your friends come over, but it's like they got to really be dedicated to doing because you're trying to craft something. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, and and it's. And I'll tell you, man. When I was in college, I was in a lot of bands. In college, for me, was a very special time because everybody who was in a band with you wasn't concerned about putting food on the table. They were yeah. usually your friend before yeah. they were your bandmate. Yeah. And they were just into making the best music that you could make as a group. Yeah. Now that we're in our, you're in your, I'm 40 now. But now that we're at this age, it's a little different. Like yeah. drummers won't work. Yeah. Bass players won't work. Yeah. And I, I think a little bit of that like artistic, yeah. like the hunger to make a thing. Yeah gets lost a little bit in the process of, I want to gig and get paid. Yeah. So it's hard, man. I wish I had a band. I yeah. miss having a band. Yeah. I would have, I would try to surround myself with people who were so much better than me yeah. that the band could never get worse than me. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> and and yeah. it was always pretty successful, but yeah, yeah. have you, I, I, I have not heard the space arc yet, but I can't yeah. wait to hear them, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about that. You got a band. Yeah. Um, this is probably my first real band. Um, I've had some duos and trios, and I sort of had kind of band arrangements a couple of times. I had a band in Argentina one time, um, but it was very short-lived. Um, but yeah, this is my first like legit band, and uh, yeah, uh, the Space Arc, Noah and the Space Arc. So basically the concept, at least the way I think about it, I think probably everyone has their own concept about and within the band, they all have their own idea about what the name kind of represents, but it certainly comes from uh, the biblical story of Noah and the Ark, but this time we've got a space Ark. And so I don't know about any of y'all, but to me, these seem a little bit like biblical times. I'm not exactly a rel religious person, um, but I think uh, for me, one of the most important things, or some of the most important things in my mind, are the seven deadly sins and the seven heavenly virtues. I think everything kind of comes from uh, your your motivation. I think it's uh, really important, and what you let, the spirits that you let guide your decisions, uh, whether it be the spirit of greed or whether it be the spirit of uh, charity or whatever it is, 
you make different decisions and a lot of times our inspiration is based on either the seven deadly sins or the seven heavenly virtues. But I wouldn't say I'm exactly religious. Nevertheless, I think uh, knowing the Ark is a cool story. Everyone always asks me, where's my boat when I'm anywhere? <laughs> and uh, so we've got Noah in the Space Ark because these days it's just getting so crazy with uh, just the way, th- way everything is and how people's minds are working. And I don't know, it's just uh, information overload. Uh, we need to get out of here. We need a Space Ark. So, <laughs> Man, that really sounds like something that would would best be summed up in some sort of five-minute epic rock opera do you, yes. you think you have something like that you could yeah yeah <laughs> yeah then we got that yeah yeah all right I, man yeah. why, why don't you play that okay i'm gonna write something right now <laughs> Wasn't it enough to say I love you? Wasn't it enough to know you cared? Wasn't it enough to live with you? Wasn't it enough to say it again? Mm-hmm. What will it take to be with you? What will it take to show I care? What will it take to live with you? What will it take to say it again and 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 again? takes so Say I try, I learn in the 
the streets Folks will let you die So I gotta chase money even if you cry But if you get cold, you can take my coat But the rain became a flood and now my ship won't float And I've been paddling and running just as fast as I can I'm tired of this water, I'm tired of this land Think I need a spacer A drummer with a good heart Blowing with the dark jokes that Keep me from going insane High end and the mid-range Tell me that it's okay To feel the pain, yeah, it's okay To feel the pain, yeah, it's okay It's okay Would you like to fly a spacer? Would you like to fly a spacer? Would you like to fly a spacer? We need a captain for a spacer. And that was awesome. That was, that's like, you know, I have not, I have yet to write my Stairway to Heaven or my Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. But that was, that was very, like, uh, a, I felt a little Bowie in that. Okay. It was, yeah. it was epic, man. Right like, I, excellent. I can't, like, does the band play that? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Excellent. I can't wait to hear that, man. You're, are you guys gigging right now? Yeah. We, we don't have anything right now. No, that's not true. Oh, we're going to be at Folly in Folly Beach at Chico Feo, I think on November 29th. I think that's a Monday uh, for the open mic. Excellent. Um, Excellent. We're gonna be be the feature act for that that night. Um, but other than that, we don't have anything lined up right now. We kind of played like uh, probably about two gigs a month, uh, a lot this about most of this year. Um, we'll look to be in Common House Ale Works probably April of next year, I think. Um, but we that's that's we kind of like. Played a decent number of gigs. Played a lot of apartment complexes, um, but that's gonna be our next step. We're really well practiced and rehearsed now, and we just gotta line a bunch of stuff up. So, yeah. tell me a little about Mike Club. Mike Club is an open mic um, jam style open mic, um, and so you're talking about. Uh, I'm always like sort of down for a jam. I hundred percent relate to. I used to not like jamming because. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. like it, it gets, and I still like. There are times at my club where I'm like, <laughs> uh, we're just, just we're just annihilating this, and this is very difficult right now. Sure. But, um, but at the same time, you kind of got to go through that. I think uh, that's how people get better, and and that's how you get better, and you learn more about. But sometimes it's like it's just like, I, we're we've all got like machines that are just making loud noises and are just totally disconnected there's um, a thing that happens in a jam a lot uh, where everyone who is not the lead instrument mm. 
thinks they're the lead instrument. Yes. And uh, I had a like I had a buddy that was a drummer, yeah. and he went over to Africa, and he studied the drum circles they would do. Okay. Now the drum circles, and you'd probably know the drum circles they do in Africa yeah. are very different than the drum circles you're going to catch. Yeah, yeah. outside yeah, yeah. of the fish concert yeah now a drum circle in africa you might literally have a job where your drum beat is yeah yeah and that's what it is yeah, yeah. you you don't deviate yeah because you got another guy yeah. that's locking into that and another and it yeah. is such it is such a lesson in economy that to me and and i know i'm not there yet as a player your initial instinct when you grow as a player is, okay, how do I play the flashiest thing? But then when a player of any instrument really comes into their own is when they lock in. A bass player locks in on a drum groove. A drummer doesn't play a fill. A, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and all serves the song. Yeah. That's generally why I'm not a jammer. I would absolutely love to yeah. find musicians that serve the song yeah. and it doesn't have to be my song man i'd love to play bass for somebody who just yeah, yeah. and just serve yeah yeah but that's awesome man i i gotta I, I keep meaning to come up there but i'm so afraid of jamming i and, should do it and it's a rule it's, of mic club that you have to get on the mic yes. so that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th and it's also is it opposite of the rule of fight club you're required to talk about my club is that another rule sort of okay. it's, the, the rule is don't talk about my club but we kind of want you to talk about my club i got you yeah. i got you <laughs> let me yeah. ask you a couple questions that i'm going to ask everybody on the podcast okay yeah. uh one thing i'm going to do is i'm going to put together a spotify playlist that goes along with this podcast i'm going to put some of your songs on it now, if there were songs from the people who have influenced you past and present, what are some songs you think should go on that podcast? Are there certain songs that are important to you as a writer, as a musician? Like songs that I wrote? Or songs? songs just any song. Well, what's what's the best five Noah Grove songs? Um, okay, uh, probably Beautiful Frankenstein, I would say. Um, yep. And I would say... Um, found myself again. I think is a good one. Okay. Um, I like too good to be true. I think like I, I, it's not where I want it to be in terms of production, but there are the first minute and fifteen seconds of that song are just like perfect. Um, I just don't know that I could do it much better. It's just <laughs> it's just insane. The first if you if you if that's kind of like your thing, you know that your style of music that you like, it's just like it just nails it. But um. Uh, I think I love you. Uh, madness, madness is definitely one. Okay, madness. Yep. Uh, um, and I kind of got to put big picture on there. Um, yeah. And maybe get on the upbeat. Um, okay. It's kind of like a, a staple. But we we've got new songs, you know, that we're working on with uh, uh, Noah and the Space Arc. Um, and I think some of my newest songs are my best ones. So I think the Space Arc song is a really good song, and I think um. How I Could Say Goodbye is a really good one, and we've we've done one called Groovy Song, which is a really good song. Awesome. So, I can't wait to hear yeah. that. I'm, there's something I'm going to do with this podcast where I hope that as an alumni of the Songs of the Unsung podcast, whenever you have a new thing come out, even if it's over the phone, stop in for 10 minutes. We'll talk about whatever that thing is. Okay. So I, I, I hope you, you feel free to do that. Okay. Now, if you had to include say 10 songs from other artists on your playlist 
what are other songs that in your songwriting or musical career have been important to you? And, and we're talking about just about any artist under the, under the sun. Any artist, they're going to be on that playlist with you. Uh, man, actually, that's a, that's a really interesting question for me because now that I've played uh, for the last year, you know, I've been playing so many different places. Um, I've had to learn so many cover songs. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at it from a different lens now. Of I learned a lot of songs that I don't really care for <laughs> or that I wouldn't listen to, you know, right. like, like Footloose, for example. I would have never listened to that song on my own. Footloose is kind of it's a jam, a, man. It's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> but it's become like one of my go-to songs for any environment because yeah. everyone loves Footloose. <laughs> uh, right, right. Another one is La Bamba. Okay. Um, and so there are some songs that for me now, it's more about the experience of performing them as a way to connect with an audience. So La Bamba would be a one and Footloose would be one, but just because they're so easy to get into La Bamba riff, when you open up, it's like infectious and everyone immediately like, it's like 50% chance that somebody's going to go, right? So, um, those two, um, I like playing Neon a lot, the John Mayer song. Oh, yeah. Um, I never thought I'd be able to play that song, so that one is even just from an experience standpoint. That's a song that if you have the ability to play, you absolutely should. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a challenging song. But uh, What about a couple that, like, from your youth yeah. that, like, got you into this whole mess? How about, um, <laughs> man, P.O.D. just popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, alive uh, i've honestly I, never had that thought <laughs> um I you got say, it dc i would say probably dc talk songs there are a lot of dc talk songs that that's really what got me into music so okay um tell yeah. me another one so i don't just put jesus freak on there because that's yeah. the only one i know i cover jesus freak <laughs> okay um we could do into jesus is a really good one okay uh, consume me um godsend uh, is it sort of a newer one that's a good one? Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good, sure. good selection there. Uh, well, awesome, yeah. man. Appreciate you coming by. Uh, we are going to do a show on December 12th at Freehouse Brewery that is uh, kind of the showcase of the first three people that are going to be on the podcast. Okay, uh, It's going to be Noah Grove, Mike Friend, and Ben Somewhere. Do you know those guys? Yeah, uh, I know Ben Somewhere, and yep. I know both of them. I think uh, I don't think I've met Mike. I don't think I've met him. But I one know. of those things where you're Facebook friends with him, but you have yeah. oh, I have all kinds of friends <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's going to be cool, man. Uh, do you do you play out at Freehouse? Uh, I haven't played Freehouse yet. I got excellent booked there like once for a wedding that didn't happen. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be a great time. Come on out to Freehouse. Check out Noah Grove. I'm going to put links in the episode notes to all the things we've been talking about. Noah's website facebook instagram youtube spotify apple music and the like and uh thank you so much man i hope you check back in when uh knowing the space art gets a record out right on thank you thank you thank you all right folks once again this is eric barnett with songs of the unsung thank you so much for listening be sure to check us out on songsoftheunsung.com or wherever you get your podcasts Also, we're on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and the like. Please subscribe, like, share, comment, all the good clicks. We always appreciate them. 
You can check out Noah Grove. All of his social media links are going to be both on the website and in the show notes. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.